0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: This is episode 88 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Back on Track, with the generous support of Kentucky Performance Products and Equestrian Collections. This is Chris Stafford in Lexington, Kentucky,
2: and I'm Heather Blitz in Wellington, Florida, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show.
1: Well, welcome, Heather. And the first thing we have to do is congratulate you on a fantastic weekend with your little shaggy pony there.
2: Oh, you mean that uh, that redhead of mine? Yeah, yes. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, really, super excited about that, and just over the top. Still trying to. Just get my head around how great of a horse he is, and that he's, he's there in my standing in my stable, and that uh, I am the lucky person that gets to ride him every day. It's you know, just fascinating.
1: Well, we should explain to everybody. If you didn't catch the news this weekend, we are talking about Heather's win with Paragon in the Gold Coast opener down there in Wellington, Florida, where she won both the Prix Saint Georges and the Intermediate One. On the pre Saint Georges, you scored a seventy-five point seven six four. Heather and in the intermediate seventy-three point five oh nine. The highest scores of the day, too.
2: Yeah, it's just also incredible. Um, I mean, you did feel like uh, that sort of horse. The ride was just a few tiny things that I want to make a little different. Of course, there's always more strength and connection than any horse could have. But um, I mean, just in general, it really felt like that, and then some. Through sit on him throughout those tests and still in awe of him, um, you know, giving it so much of an effort at such a young age and so much focus and so much maturity. I just don't know really what planet he came from.
1: <laughs> well, we should remind our listeners, Heather, because those of you who have been listening to the show from the start will, will know way back when Heather was still based in Denmark, we began Paragon's Diary. So I think we have to continue that today when uh, he was just a youngster back at 5 and 6 years of age when you had him in Denmark heather and how he's come along since then and you know he's yours you you had him as a foal so he's he's particularly special little redhead to you isn't
2: he oh incredibly i feel like he's definitely a family member more than any other horse that i've ever ever owned or ever had to train or ride even even my, you know, from my first pony on to this day, it's just um, a really special relationship with, between me and Paragon. And I think in general, we have just basic, really similar personality. I think what we concentrate on and focus on is is um, sort of placed at a layer that isn't that obvious. Paragon doesn't seem like he's always thinking all that much because he seems pretty simple and pretty laid back. But on the inside, there is... Quite a quite a personality there and quite a serious um, horse who really cares deeply, uh, really deeply about what he's supposed to do for me and his respect for me is just um, is really great. Uh, but, you know, on the outside, it just seems like this kind of regular, kind of just normal guy. He doesn't have any clue that he's so great. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that about him. And I, I hope he never really, you know, I hope he never changes. And I, I don't think he will, but... Um, he likes to ham it up, but to him, I think it 's all in good fun, and he doesn't he just doesn 't know that other horses aren 't like him <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you always said when in those early training days he always had a very good work ethic as well, and you know he 's such a joy to train and you know now that you 've got up to the small tour level and you 're just going onwards and upwards now, is he maintaining that you know joy to work and in training, well, actually, it's it's
2: actually quite a bit better now, even than when he was younger. he's such a big horse? And um, actually, when he was three years old, I remember distinctly measuring him, and I remember the day, and I know this for a fact. And I'm not like forgetting something, but he was sixteen two hands as a six year old. Uh, sorry, three year old, and then uh, now he's eighteen hands. So between that age of three and now he's coming eight. He grew six inches, so when uh, <laughs> no I started him, yes, he was very sweet. You know, it took no assistance from anybody else for me to get on his back. The first day I sat on him, I also did walk, trot, and canner. Um, you know, I just I just keep every day getting more and more surprised by this horse. But, you know, because he was growing so much and, you know, juvenile and so growthy, there were definitely things that, you know, weren't that easy for him in the beginning. But, you know, as he gets the concepts and he gets educated and then his body of course has a little time to catch up and um be strong enough to do what he really wants to do then it gets getting easier and easier <laughs> it's definitely not getting harder it's um he's it's just uh it's just getting kind of automatic to for him to just move on from where he is into up into the grand prix work because the base uh the baseline on him is very good quality. Um, he's a very, very naturally balanced horse. Um, I'm actually going to talk about that later on in the show in my tip of the week, um, just about the the quality of balance. um into into a horse before, you know, work on the horse's frame horse or through this, and he, he has that in a pretty natural sense, and he taught me a lot about, you know, how you can develop, the exterior of the horse by really developing the interior of the horse, mental and and balanced aspect. So, you know, you know, like I said, he's he's a wonderful horse, but of course we struggle with some things when he's you know, especially four and into five years old. He's doing a lot of kind of that teenager stuff. He can rebel and he could have you know a a little back talk and he could have an opinion and things like that, but. I don't think horses progress through challenging training without some of that, and um, he wasn't trying to not work. He was really trying to figure it out. So, but, uh, you know, we've just been on such a clear sailing um, increase in training. Like Each week he's just another horse, and I keep thinking, how, what's he going to do now because I keep thinking he's so good, and then, like, how is it going to get better? But he shows me. He's just um, stronger and stronger.
1: Well, we should remind our listeners that while he's what eighteen hands now, you're something like five foot thirteen, aren't you?
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm almost six feet, so I can call myself six feet. And you know, from a distance, if you just see me and him, then it looks like just a normal pair, horse and rider. So he's he's just exactly the horse size that I need. I haven't had one in my past that has fit me inside so well as him. So that's just a a gift.
1: And and he looks, you know, like a gangly teenager. I guess you know, at the age of eighty, is the equivalent to a gangly teenager, isn't he? I mean, but it, as you say, he carries himself so well, and and he he is also not only carrying himself well, but he's deporting himself in public rather well. To the extent that he's gathering fans, I checked on his Facebook fan page, Heather, before we did this recording, and he's got over five hundred fans. You know.
2: Well, isn't he just very popular?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's wonderful to build up that kind of um, following for a young horse that's, you know, clearly demonstrating so much potential. Because I think uh, his followers are enjoying the the journey too.
2: Well, it's it's wonderful to share uh, him with everybody because it, he's just too much of a wonderful thing to, you know, to not just. Bring in lots of people around the world into the, just the story of him and just to his modern performance, and um, I definitely love sharing the horse. He's a he's a real treasure.
1: Well, uh, talking about a wonderful thing this weekend, you know, our guests this week are two riders who were down there at the Gold Coast Opener with you, that's EDIW, this past weekend at the uh, Jim Brandon Arena in Wellington, and that is Catherine Bates and Chandler and Carol Ruff, Caroline Rothman. You know, both have been guests on the show here before, Heather, but, you know, between the three of you, you had a pretty successful uh, showing in weekend, I have to say. I tallied up... Um, the placings that you all and i that you all achieved Catherine and caroline i think picked up like six and five between them and and you picked of course that two so that, i think that's like 13 um ribbons between you in one competition so i thought it, it would be a bumper show all about the gold coast opener this weekend
2: well that's great a, it was a very good weekend we had just a little tiny bit of rain but mostly nice weather and it ton of horses and it was an exciting atmosphere and that's a super opening to the season I think it's going to be a great rest of the season to follow.
1: Absolutely and of course you are down there in Wellington now so you're quite close to those showgrounds.
2: And which is so nice because you can go to I think we've got five CDIs within these three months and um, you know, to be able to do an international competition and still sleep in your own bed at night, that's a that's wonderful.
0: <laughs> you don't
2: even really have to think about it. you don't have to go on the road yet you get into the into the showroom with his international judges and um it's all sort of right here in your own backyard. It's such a neat, neat place in the world and I don't know where else in the world really is much like what happens down here in South Florida. It's a place that if you ever get the chance to visit, I know you have, Chris, but all you listeners, if you ever get the chance to come see what happens in Wellington, in Florida, it's a, I would highly suggest that it's just such a fascinating little area of the world.
1: It's a real festival, isn't it? Once that uh, show season gets underway, you know, everybody goes down to Wellington if the dressage or jumping or, of course, the eventers go down to Florida, not as far as Wellington, but, it, it you know, that is the place to be if you're going to be competing. It, it's such a, a a marathon competition, isn't it? I mean, the season, I should say, from uh, January right no, through. No, well, to- not
2: to mention the polo. I mean, there's mm. some of the top polo matches in the world are here as well, and... You can catch a uh, show jumping on Saturday night and see polo on Sunday morning. And and when there's a CBI at the Jim Brandon, you can just catch it all. There's so many horses per square mile in Wellington. It's just kind of, it's kind of mind-blowing. It is amazing. I have a friend who's here this weekend visiting, and it's her first time seeing it, and she's just kind of, you know, jaws on the ground going, wow, this is just, <laughs> this is just so cool. It's just a little <laughs> equestrian paradise. Everywhere you look is super horses and riders and just so buzzing with competition and uh, just so so densely packed with horse people and horse lovers and it's a great place to be.
1: Great community. Well, Heather, those who follow your fan page, as I do on Facebook, um, know that there was, um, a few weeks ago, a hunt for a new puppy. Tell us uh, about this new puppy you got.
2: Well, I've been looking and I did want a little female. I have two whippets already and I wanted to female, and I didn't actually find one, but I did find uh, a little male that is a new love of our lives here in our house. His name is Giacomo, and uh, he's about four months old now. He had a little tough start in his life, though, because, unfortunately, he was one of those very unlucky puppies who um, caught the parvovirus, which, if you find out about that, it's just the most awful thing you could imagine any dog going through, um, but he is a fighter and a survivor. And after I think it was nine days in an ICU unit in Metairie, Louisiana, he came out um, a survivor and a an live puppy. So. And then after that, I think within the first week, he I think he literally doubled in size, And I'm not kidding. Oh. You could see him growing with your naked eye. Then <laughs> <laughs> um, he's very healthy now. And he's completely out of the woods. And he's just a, a sweet, sweet little puppy. So he's a nice addition. We have three whippets now. I think I'm one of those who suffers from uh, multiple whippet syndrome. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I hope you'll post some photos on your fan page for uh, your fans to follow the pursuit of, of Giacomo because you know a lot of people are going there for for Paragon's fan page, but I think uh, they need to see your new puppy too. Well
2: if Paragon will allow it, I don't know, I'll have to <laughs> have to find it. If if he can have a guest on his fan page, I'll have to ask him <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Well, um, those of you who follow the Dressage Radio Show will know that we have had the first round of our quiz competition, which uh, we're going to continue on to the next round um, next week, actually, on the show. So I think you're coming back next week uh, to do battle against uh, your friend Catherine Haddad.
2: Oh, no, I'm scared. She's
1: really smart. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, you both will be teaming up with the listener and we'll remind you all about that a little bit later on in the show. But Heather, I know you had a wonderful weekend, but you come onto the show as co-host. There's always another responsibility. And one of those is to uh, help me read the results from Amsterdam. While we were all down in there in Florida this weekend, there was a World Cup qualifier taking place in Amsterdam in the Netherlands of- Always always a big competition, Heather, always tough competition and uh, no less so this time round, with uh, Holland uh, bat- doing battle with Germany as ever and Sweden in there too. So <clears throat> I'm going to read the first five placings from that freestyle, the Grand Prix Curtin Music, those qualifiers that will go through now um, for the World Cup qualifying uh, for the World Cup finals. To do battle. Um, now the, we've we've got the first ten places here because some of these people have been guests on the show, and I'm going to read the first five placings, Heather, and then it's your job to read the the last five. Is that okay?
2: Wow, that's a good deal.
1: Okay, all right. Well, the first first place went to Adeline Cornelissen with Parsival on eighty-one point four seven five of course, from the Netherlands. In second place, very, very close second, just one penalty between them. That was Isabel Werth with Warum nicht from Germany, of course, on 80.475. Apparently, it was a real ding-dong of a competition over there. Very, very exciting. And in third place, one of our co-hosts here on the Dressage Radio Show, Sweden's Patrick Kittel. He came in third on 79 Point 0 with Skandik. And in fourth place, a Brit got up there. That is Richard Davison with Hiscox Artemis on 77.150. And in fifth place, uh, one of our guests here on the show just last week from the Netherlands, Hans-Peter Minderhoud with Tango on
2: 75.7. These are all pretty close scores because um, he's at the 75.7 and then just right behind him in sixth place was from Germany, um Helen Lang hannenberg is really a super writer coming up on the much more prevalent on the scene with a seventy five point four five o and um really close to Hans Peter and in seventh place from Belgium uh Jerome D'Evereux on Apollo van and I can't say the last name very well Vierhoff.
1: that's why I gave
2: Vierhoff. you these, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you for it, thank you. <laughs> In um, eighth place, in Sander um, Marnesen with Moetwill from Holland, and seventy-three point seven. It's all really great scores for the top ten. Uh, and nine, Nina Hoffman from Sweden with uh, Leo Af Magnashoi, Can say that right? With so a seventy-three point one, and then in tenth place, um, who we're all really dying to see, on uh, new rider of totalist. Matthias Alexander Ratz riding Stern Taylor with a 72.750 from Germany, so that rounds out the top ten.
1: Yeah, and what a tough competition that was, as you say. Some good scores there, Heather. You know, you know, right through to tenth place.
2: You know, really high scores. And, and, and Amsterdam, and I have shown in Amsterdam, and I, did, I really enjoyed my time showing there. But it is a, a very highly competitive show, and the energy there is a lot, and the crowd is um, quite discerning and quite educated, and uh, a lot of people watching, and it's a, it's a tough place to make scores like that. But, I mean, look at the lineup, really the talented riders and fantastic horses there at that show.
1: Yeah, and all part of the Remacra FEI World Cup uh, qualifying series here, um, all leading towards Leipzig in the late April for the finals there in conjunction with the jumping finals too. Well, one more item of news this week, Heather, and comes from the US Equestrian Federation uh, in regards helmet rule changes. And it's my understanding at at this moment that they have passed a rule for um, level four and below level four, that is, and all juniors, um, all youth riders, <clears throat> to be wearing a helmet on a showground. If you're on a horse, you must wear a helmet. Um, that's my understanding so far, Heather. Have you heard anything different?
2: Well, you are my source of news, Chris, so <laughs> that's what you told me earlier. And I haven't heard any different, um, haven't had a chance to sit down this evening and um, look through the website, but I'm really happy to hear what they're doing and it just makes total sense to me.
1: Yes, and I just wonder why they stopped at that and why it's not above level four. Why, doesn't, you know, why is more one head more valuable than another and why it doesn't apply to everyone? I, I don't understand that.
2: No, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. There, um, it seems sort of like maybe I'm not surprised. I think a lot of adults get um, upset if they can't make their own decisions, and I think there's a there's a general idea, I guess, that that younger people don't make the right decisions, which I don't agree with that either. But maybe that's what they're thinking, and that's where that comes from. But you know, maybe just at least one step at a time. Here, we don't have to throw everything at, at out there at once. Um, You know, so maybe the day will come when it just makes, you know, total sense to everybody to wear a helmet.
1: Well, you've uh, worn a helmet for a long time now, haven't you? But not just in the show ring, also at home. It is common practice for you and your students, isn't it? Yep, it's just part of my normal equipment. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to take a short break here from one of our sponsors here, our presenting sponsor on the Dress Size Radio Show, back on track.
0: Listeners have been asking why back-on-track products work, and what is the science behind them? Well, they have evolved from a combination of ancient Chinese wisdom and modern science, as well as skilled textile production. This result is a polyester polypropylene fabric with a ceramic powder that's melted into the fabric's very own weave. The ceramic particles reflect body heat as an infrared wave, a form of energy with a highly documented pain-relieving effect. This reflected heat helps to ease inflammation, reduce muscle pain, and increase blood circulation. Back on Track products can be used to warm up your horse's muscles before exercise, thus reducing the risk of strains or injury. Most importantly, the product's dual capacity to prevent injury, as well as ease and expedite the recovery of already present injuries, is what makes Back on Track products so unique. I hope that helps as to why their products are so effective. Visit them at BackOnTrackProducts.com. That's BackOnTrackProducts.com.
1: Well, we're back with my guest co-host this week, uh, Heather Blitz, who had a stunning weekend uh, last weekend down there in Wellington, and she was joined in that in the arena. <clears throat> well, how many arenas, I should say, w- w- were actually active at the showground this weekend, Heather? Do you, did you notice how many were in competition?
2: There were four competition rings, um, two for the CDI and two for the Open Show, and just uh, two warm-up rings, so I guess uh, in total that's six.
1: Yeah, very, very busy and scooping up, as I said earlier, lots of ribbons at the show where my guest this week, Catherine Bates and Chandler, who, of course, has been a previous guest on the Dressage Radio Show um, leading up to the World Equestrian Games, where she made her debut on the team. And also the young rider, Caroline Rothman, who won the FEI Rising Star of the year last year, 2010. And both of them, as I said, had a wonderful weekend. So I thought it'd be fun to have them both uh, together in conversation with us here. So uh, let's get Catherine and Caroline on the line. Well, hi, Catherine. Hi, Caroline. Welcome back to the show to both of you. Thank you so much. Great to be on. Yes. Thank you for having us again. I know. Well, I had to have you after the weekend you guys have had down there in Florida at the Gold Coast Opener. Congratulations to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. You had a pretty impressive weekend between between you now. Correct me if I'm wrong, and I've tried to tally up all that you did between you, starting with Catherine, since she's the oldest amongst us all here, Caroline. (laughs) (laughs) Third in the Grand Prix and third in the Freestyle, won the uh, Open PSG and the Intermediate One, and then six in the Test of Choice. Is is that yep. roughly about it, or did I miss anything, Catherine?
3: No, I, I think that's about it. It
1: was a busy weekend. <laughs> it was a busy <laughs> weekend indeed. And then Caroline, yeah. you had a win too in the PSG with Pi, and fourth in the Test of Choice with Lux uh, Svensang, and then third in the Intermediate One in the same class as. Uh, as as Catherine, of course and then fourth in the other test of choice too so you had five placings is that is that right or did i miss anything
4: that is no that's
1: exactly right lots of ribbons between the two of you and and Catherine, that of course you know on the and the aftermath now of being on the on the team for the first time making your debut at the world equestrian games it's just back to business as usual isn't it for you
3: absolutely right back at it and i'm happy to be home in florida and have all my animals in one place and get back to work on the other horses at home it's been really fun
1: so for you then this was the start to the season was it catherine
3: uh yes i did one show uh with nartan uh two weeks ago and he just died just to get myself back in the swing of things and he got um 72.9 or something it was it was our best Grand Prix score yet so I was really happy with him with that and um we were gearing up for the CDI.
1: Well starting back as you say after having had such a big year last year for you making the team getting to the world equestrian games was there any time there to decompress after the games did you take a vacation did you give him a break over the holidays?
3: Um, I did not take a vacation, Those, we always think about it, and then they never seem to fit into my schedule, uh, which is unfortunate for my husband, for sure, but for me it doesn't really bother me too much, <laughs> I like to stay with the animals, it's, it's hard for me to get away mentally, um, but he did have a break, um, I kept him in, some work, but we have a nice track here, so I took him around the track, and we ride in the big jumping field, and I kept him out of the arena, um, probably for almost two months, which was really nice for him, just keeping him fit and loose, and not having to have any pressure of lots of movements, but just just getting him fitter. So that was fun for both of us.
1: Well, it, obviously a big a big year for you. It's hard to sort of follow on the, you know what. What do you think when you're coming after such a year that is a World Equestrian Games, making your team debut? How does that set you up for the next year? I mean, do you think okay now what?
3: It was a big year, and it was a bit of a roller coaster, and everything happened really quickly. So now at least I've had a little bit of a time to make a good plan. Um, I want to make sure that, you know, I use the horse to the full advantage without without ever compromising him and uh, without using him up. So, you know, I try and keep him out of the arena as much as possible in between shows. And now I have a a nice plan set up, all things being equal, um, for for this year and this summer.
1: Terrific. Well, Caroline, coming to you, 2010 was a pretty big year for you, too, as the FEI Rising Star. We had you on the show, of course, when you were, after you were celebrating that marvellous, marvellous award that you won. Uh, when you come into the winter like this, you're down in Florida, too, aren't you, getting ready for When you said with lots of horses, even after a competition like this, you've still got a lot of horses to ride. There's no day off for you. <laughs> no,
4: no. We have um, at the barn I'm, I'm riding um, out of, which is Lars Peterson's facility. Um, I think we have about sixty horses, so the, the job is <laughs> never done. And even though you have the horses at the show, you still have all the ones at home that maybe haven't been ridden for two days or have been ridden easy. So it does never end.
1: Well, you, you, as I said, you had a wonderful weekend too, picking up uh, lots of placings there. With the two horses with Pie you won with, and Lux Sven Stensvang, if I get that right, <laughs> that's a mouthful. Um, tell us yeah. about that horse, Caroline. About Lux? Yes, that's so much easier just to uh, call him Lux, isn't it? What does Stensvang mean anyway?
4: Um, apparently it's from the farm name. It's like a breeder name. Uh, okay. That's apparently who bred him in Europe, so he added that to the name, like if you can... Tell where he came from, but we just call him Lugs, so it's a little easier. Much easier. Um, yeah, I've had him for two years now, um, and I bought him through my trainer, Lars Peterson. Um, actually, uh, the horse was located at Blue Horse Stud in, in Denmark. He was there, um, and he had had a pretty successful career as a young horse. He had competed in the uh, World Young Horse Championships so as a five- and six-year-old. I think he might be wrong, but I think it was like seventh or eleventh place in the world, um, and, and then since then, um, yeah, he had been in training to be sold, and I ended up buying him his oven, um, and then he brought him here and kept him home and trained and finished him to Grand Prix, um, and then this is basically the first show season I've had him. I think this is our third horse show um, with him, so I was very happy, and it's also, you know, it's his first Grand Prix and my first Grand Prix, so we're trying to figure it out together which makes it a little challenging, but um, a lot of fun,
1: too. So tell us about this. these other two horses that you were riding, Catherine. You've got um, Rutherford, of course, belongs to Jane Clark as well.
3: Yes, uh, he's a lovely horse. I got him as an eight-year-old. Um, he didn't have a lot of training on him, so that's been fun. He was um, a horse that I brought along the Grand Prix myself um, with some help from tra- trainers, obviously. Connell Hester and Robert Dover have both helped me with him. Um, and he's just a, a lovely animal. He has, um, a little bit of a hot temperament, so it's, it's always a little challenging, but he's a lovely, lovely horse. And I have Dea, um, who is a Hanoverian mare who I bought from Carl Hester as a seven-year-old, I believe. And, um, I've also trained her at a Grand Prix, and she was Intermediate Champion, um, in 2009. And she's wonderful. She did some Grand Prixs last summer. I mean, last uh, winter, and then I uh, just took her out in the pre Saint George. I won because she really hasn't done a lot this summer. So I just wanted to sort of get her in the ring again, and she's fabulous. I D- love her.
1: So you call it you call it Daya, yeah, Daya. Okay. Well, cool. yeah. well, Caroline, coming back to you, as I said, after the year that you had last year, and you've got so many horses to ride. What are you going to look forward to this year? Um
4: well i mean i have um I'm, I'm excited you know it's my as i said it's my first season doing um you know the grand Prix test and and that's it's really fun and exciting and um i i am mostly sort of trying to focus on that, but I have um quite a few young horses um that are going to be doing sort of young horse tests um you know the four five and six year old tests as well as developed horse tests um and some horses in the open levels um and also some in the small tour, um, like Pi and Bulgari Five. Um, so it's it's, um, it's hard not to be excited about everything. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm trying to take it one horse show at a time.
1: <laughs> I can imagine. So now you're you're fully professional, are you, Caroline? Now,
4: um, I do ride professionally. I don't. Um. I, you know I, I don't really um, have you know my own business. or or whatever like that. They do have a couple clients I teach, and mostly it's riding horses for people. A lot of breeders and um, owners have sent young horses down um, to do the young horse classes and whatnot. So I I try to, um, to, you know, to concentrate on on the the ones I have and and not overwhelm myself as well as riding for Lars and Melissa.
1: So... (laughs) Well, Catherine, you can relate to Caroline, of course, being the young rider that she is making her way into the sport, into the professional ranks, and you—you you certainly did it the hard—that the not the hard way, but the very thorough way too, didn't you?
3: Yes, I did. I started working for Robert Dover when I was sixteen and in high school, and then he took me on as groom, rider, manager, sort of all of the above, and um, I worked for him for sixteen years and i didn't regret a day of it it was very hard work um but it was an amazing experience and i i i give all my my success to him you know i give the credit to robert for for most of it and of course to jane for supporting me so yeah, it's great. It's
1: a good way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Very thorough way to do it. And uh, of course, yeah. this is now the very beginning of the season down there in Wellington. You're both based down there, right in the heart of it, and with so many horses and to ride, and so many competitions to look forward to in this uh, season of the Winter Equestrian Festival. What's next for you, Catherine? Where? Where? What will you be uh, doing for this? For during WEF, what what shows do you have lined up? Have you got like one or two a month, or is that how you plan it out?
3: Uh yeah, I try I try to keep them in the ring, um, but not overdo it. I think, you know, you can get there's a show here every weekend and you could go every weekend if you wanted to, but I don't think it's fair to, to horses or people to do that. So, uh NITAN will do the the big big classes, the C D I Ws, um and the other two, I will take out when I need to. Rutherford sort of has to keep going to horse shows. Uh, he gets better and better the more he goes. So I'll probably do two shows a month with him. And probably staying with Dea so she can get back in the swing of things. But, you know, I, I, I don't like to overshow them. You know, I like to be able to come home and, and, and train and get some fit and happy as well. I think you can definitely do it down here if you're not careful.
1: Absolutely. And then when the... Uh, the outdoor season, like the summer season, gets underway. What What is your summer plans, Catherine, and then going into the fall?
3: Well, I'm, I'm very much a one-day-at-a-time kind of person, but you have to have a plan. So my plan as of right now uh, would be to go to Europe um, in the summer and, uh, and take the horses over there and get some good European experience. I think um, if you have those kind of opportunities to go to Europe and show and train over there, um, that you really need to take those because uh, I think that's the way, the way of the future, and the way to really, you know, better your riding to go up against the big boys. So, so that's my plan as of right now is to go to Europe this summer
1: and be exposed to the European judges. Of course,
3: absolutely. I think it's really, really important. And uh, like I said, if you have the opportunity to do that, I think you really need to to take it.
1: So, which horses will you take, Catherine?
3: Um, as of right now, I would probably take all three of the horses. Mm-hmm. Um they are rutherford and uh and nartan um and we're always you know sort of keeping our eye out for other good horses but they're very difficult to find these days so you know we will see but those three are, are will go all things being equal
1: well terrific well lots to look forward to an exciting summer spring and summer season ahead for you Catherine. Well, great to hear from both of them. They're clearly ecstatic about uh, this start to the season because it is just the beginning of the season and lots to look forward to for both of them. Well, Heather, we're going to take another quick break to hear from our sponsors, Equestrian Collections, and then when we come back, I believe you've got a tip of the week.
0: Hey everyone, it's that time of the year again for after holiday closeout sales, and Equestrian Collections has hundreds of items for you at tremendous savings up to 70% off. Closeouts from Ariat, JPC, Pessoa, Ovation, and so many more. Highly discounted specials include ladies' apparel, footwear, saddle pads, bags, belts, coats, and the list goes on and on. Remember, you can save up to 70% now, but this is a closeout, and quantities are limited. So grab the keyboard and type in equestriancollections.com. You'll see the great big ad right on their homepage for all of their closeout specials now for the month of January. Get them before they're gone at equestriancollections.com.
1: Well, Heather, you mentioned earlier in the show um, that your tip this week was going to be about balance. Balance is a priority.
2: Right, and uh, it's a thing that I start with in my training system and um, the way I want the horses to be developed is to really focus before I really have very much concern about the horse's frame, like where the neck is or where the hind legs are. Um, but to think instead the first first thing I want to instill in my horses is their awareness of their own balance in their body and I'm sure every rider out there in this really challenging sport of dressage thinks about it at one point or another but I am really steadfast and just a real stickler on that that's always going to be priority in um, what I want my horses to be doing in every moment that has to be, you know, just like a baseline layer. I thing that has to be really in place before I can assume that anything else is going to be, you know, worth tending to
3: or, you know, that if, if
2: I do tend to it, it's not going to distract whatever I'm talking about. won't distract the horse from knowing ultimately where their balance is all the time. Um, you know, horses being by nature, of course, prey animals, uh, they can't help but have a natural instinct to, you know, the thing that can stress them out the most to make them nervous or tense is really, if they don't feel like they are balanced. I mean, if a horse falls down um, during being chased by something, then they would be the one to, you know, not survive. So they have a real innate fear of not being in balance, and I think that can cause tension in their body and oftentimes in the neck um, that, you know, we, we then try to deal with. and. Because the neck is attached to our hands, and as humans, our hands are our biggest tools for what we get done in our lives um, it's really easy to start dealing with tension problems rather than uh, or the tension opposed symptoms um rather than think focused on what the cause is and I think in sorry, in so many cases, it is has, has so much or everything to do with the horse being confident with where their balance is, and you know self carriage is a word that gets put out there a lot, but if you really stop and think about it, you know how many times do you follow through completely on that concept of is your horse in self-carriage? Or if you have to have a fair amount of contact in the rein, do you still think about if the horse has self-carriage? So whenever you've got a lot of contact in your rein, a good thing to imagine as far as checking in whether you have self-carriage or not or if horse is in balance is if you imagine those reins breaking, uh, you know, if they weren't very substantial reins, and all of a sudden by surprise those reins broke Um, if you get the sense that your horse would really change quite a bit, either by speeding up or losing balance or slowing down or, you know, really becoming hollow, then there was a problem um, with the kind of thing, the priorities then of what was happening in the first place. So when the horse is in self-carriage, then I think the contact and the frame and the throughness and all that can stay pretty independent things, all based on the fact that the horse is in balance. And, um, of course, I have... Uh, a way to, you know, talk about how to get your horse in balance and, you know, maybe that can be on, a, on another tip, that I talk about how to get that balance, but just to start with for this tip is that, that that's got to stay priority to um, keep addressing causes of a lot of the things that riders focus on rather than the symptoms that they're trying to um, to, to fix so does that, um, does that make sense to you, Chris?
1: It makes sense to me. And, you know, one of the things I noticed, and we should maybe put the links on um, the show notes too, to your videos um, of your weekend competitions, Heather. I was just thinking about that because watching those videos, as I did over the weekend, it's very noticeable watching you as a rider, how everything seems to come from the inside out rather than the outside in. So yeah,
2: that is the way I think about it. That's the way I want my horses to think about it. And, yeah. you know, the exterior is the last thing I deal with. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I feel like for the most part, of course, there there are little details here and there, but for the most part, I don't have to do what the horse's exterior looks like. I don't have to do that for my horses. And riding them from the inside out, I think, getting them aware of their of their core strength and of their balance and... Of their ability to to sustain themselves in a stillness in motion, um, isn't isn't that often or isn't often enough what I see riders doing when they're riding their horses around? It's um, tend, I tend to think more about the horse's um, isometric strength, which is you know strength without being without moving, is often uh, what they need when they're they're going to stay in balance and go like with. For instance, in Paragon's extended canter, he only takes 12 strides in the extended canter to get across the diagonal. So he's obviously moving quite a bit in miles per hour and length of stride. But the stillness on the inside of his body is um, is what he has been trained to do. Is what I uh, want him to always stay intact with his core in place. So then you know he's a big, he's an 18 in horse, but he still can come together in a pretty nice package and I get a lot of feedback that, wow, he looks light and carrying himself, but that's because I've left the exterior alone until he has really grasped onto his balance and his own core strength. So it makes sense. You you job a lot easier because the horse come together pretty naturally when you leave them to their own devices and teach them how to be athletic in their balance. It's um, It's a relief when you don't have to tend to so much of the extremities of the horse really.
1: Yeah. And that's very noticeable, not just with the horse, but also with you as a rider and the control of those core muscles and the stillness that you have. So everything's coming from the inside out. And you know maybe we can talk about that in future episodes, Heather.
2: Sure, sure. I'd love
1: to. It's definitely my M.O. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to take a short break to hear from our friends at Kentucky Performance Products. And then as we wrap up the show, we're going to hear about Heather's plans in the next uh, for the next competitions. I'm also going to remind you about the quiz and uh, see if Heather has got any iPhone apps she wants to recommend, too. So don't go away. We'll be back in just a second.
0: Joint Armor from KPP provides your horse with the building blocks necessary to maintain healthy joints throughout his lifetime. Kentucky Performance Products Quality Assurance provides you with the confidence that you are purchasing a safe, high-quality product. Your satisfaction is guaranteed. Joint Armor is concentrated and affordable. One jar lasts a whole 75 days. Joint Armor helps maintain fluid motion and flexibility in your horse's joints. It also supports normal cartilage development and reduces joint deterioration. Learn more about Joint Armor from Kentucky Performance Products and all their other terrific products at KPP.com. USA.com. that's kppusa.com
1: well heather uh just as we wrap up the show here this week um you know the last time you were on as co-host i believe uh, you had some iphone apps that you were recommending one one that had become an obsession i think it was that angry birds
2: yep and, <laughs> and you know i was so obsessed with it and there are a few levels but i just wasted so much time doing so i, I kind of um turned that one over to my boyfriend, Rob, and he finished it. <laughs> um, but I did download Angry Birds Halloween version, and that's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> but the one I could recommend now, and it's probably already pretty well-known by everybody out there, but I just love the one called Shazam. And it just is one that listens to any music that is happening, um, recorded music, like uh, from your car or wherever you're hearing it. And you just tap it, and it listens to it, and then it matches it and tells you who um, who the song is, who the artist is, and often like the lyrics, where to find it, history of the band. It's just a, it's a great app if you like music, and especially if you hear something that you love and you want to find out who it is when there would be no way to find out. You can just use Shazam. So I have a feeling already a lot of you have that, but um, it's one of my favorite apps that i have right
1: now okay yeah that's a good one that's a good one too and of course you have the ipad now so you do all kinds of things on the ipad too are you loving it
2: i am it's a fantastic tool it's a it's just a perfect size for taking on the road has all my i have a bunch of books on it and that's a really great thing especially when you travel a lot it's just so easy to transport and um it's such a such a neat tool. It's a beautiful thing, and um all kinds of stuff and like putting my movies on it for flights and things like that so it's a, it's wonderful yeah. you have yours too. you still do a lot on I, yours.
1: I love my iPad I absolutely love it and you know the great thing about this app these i apps now for iPad and iPhone are the horse related apps that are available. You know, there are so many of those now that have come on the market from the FEI, the USEF, you know, there's lots of organizations and independent uh, Internet companies, of course, that are providing apps for to help you, uh, you know, from for all kinds of things from nutrition to showing and show scheduling and uh, rules and uh, drug compliance, all kinds of things. So, you know, it's it's a great way to use technology to benefit, isn't it, in the horse world?
2: It is fascinating.
1: It just makes me think, what did we used to do? <laughs> I Yeah. I mean, really, uh, no. <laughs> we want these things, what did we used to do? Well, well, we used to go and buy a book from a bookshelf, you know, and uh, carry that around. And we, we, how did we manage with that apps? I I don't know. I mean, you know. I don't. Know. Uh, you know, I have so many really great sports apps on my iPhone, which I absolutely love. You know, you know, you probably know that I follow cricket and tennis and skiing and i've got all the apps i need for instant real-time results from the australian open tennis from world cup skiing to uh, the uh, international cricket you know it's just that instant news that is absolutely wonderful so combined with twitter and iphone apps you know i i try not to miss too much it's it's a marvelous uh, source of information
2: yeah, so
1: fun, so fun. So much fun. All right, well, talking about fun, Heather, next week you're going to come back on the show um, and do Battle um, battle of the Wits between uh, you and uh, Catherine Haddad over there in Germany, who um, we should mention, and we, I'm sure we'll, we'll have to remind her, we'll give her our congratulations when she comes on the show, of course, that she recently got married.
2: Yes, she eloped surprised everybody.
1: Yes. <laughs> she did indeed. Well, she's going to be joined by Liz Call, one of our listeners who's been on the show before, and she's going to pair up with her against Heather. And your partner is Debbie McNally, from, also from Florida. And, of course, because you two won last, uh, last time around, in the first round, you're going to come back and see if you can do it again, Heather. All
2: right. Well, Debbie's pretty smart, so I have, I I have a the secret
1: weapon there. There you go. All right. Well, before we go, just remind uh, our listeners what your show plans are now that you've got the first show under your belt and two out of two, two wins this weekend on to your next competition. Is that uh, next month, Heather?
2: I'm a new next month. It's another CDI. I think it's a CDIW again. Uh, And I'll take Paragon in this mall tour one more time and do uh, actually also the Freestyle Um, So I've only done the freestyle once. That was at Devon. So this will be our second go at it, hopefully better than the one at Devon. Um, And then after that, I am signed up for the Palm Beach Derby, and that's March 5th. Um, But I am looking very much forward to showing at the CBA One Star the weekend after that because it is going to be held in conjunction with the World Dressage Masters, which has been reinstated in Wellington, which... Everyone is just so thrilled about it. It was canceled at first because of um, sponsorship problems or they, they just couldn't get it to work out over at the Wellington uh, Jumper Showgrounds when they had it last year. But they, at uh, Jim Brandon, have um, gotten it back together and it's going to be held in conjunction with that next show. So I think that's just going to be a blast to be over there at that showground when all the Europeans come for that amazing competition. So I'm probably going to have
1: to add that one onto my schedule. Absolutely. Yep. All happening down there in Wellington. But that's all that's going to happen on this week's Dressage Radio Show. We're clear running out of time. We hope you've enjoyed it as, as we had. Great to catch up with you again, Heather. And once again, a huge congratulations on a fantastic weekend and uh, you know extra carrots for Paragon. Oh, thank you so much. All right. Well, don't forget, you can check our show notes on com. of course. You can follow Heather and I on Facebook and Twitter. Heather's uh, Twitter name is Heather Blitz, and I'm Chris E. Stafford. You can also send me an email, chris at com. And also want to remind you of a new show starting here on the Horse Radio Network fairly shortly, and that'll be Equestrian Legends. That's coming soon. That'll be a bi weekly brand-new show with conversations with some of the legends in equestrian sports. So very much looking forward to that. I will be hosting that as a bi-weekly show coming up here on the Horse Radio Network very soon. Well, that about wraps it up, Heather. I will be back, of course, same time, same place next week when we have the quiz competition. And uh, so until then, Heather.
2: Yeah, I'll be back then too and hopefully here see you all or have you all listen in again to the the battle of the wits. (laughs) So thanks everyone for tuning in and listening.